Hello. Ni hao. Bonjour. Hi. Buenos dias. Guten tag. G'day. Welcome to the Husida Podcast, a production of the Human Services Information Technology Association. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Husida Podcast. My name is Dr. Jimmy Young and I'll be your host. In this month's episode, I interview Liam O'Sullivan and Zoe Hughes about their article, Incorporating Facebook into Nonprofit Supports for Family Caregivers, Reflections on its Value and Relevance, which was published in the Journal of Technology and Human Services in 2019. Liam O'Sullivan is the Executive Director of Care Alliance Ireland, which is the national network of voluntary organizations that supports family caregivers. He holds professional qualifications in social work, youth and community work, and social research. He's worked with Care Alliance since 2004 and brought the National Carers Week to Ireland by developing collaborative and impactful relationships with third-level institutions in family carer research. He has a particular interest in implementation science and bridging the gap between research policy and practice. Zoe Hughes is a Senior Policy and Research Officer with Care Alliance, where she coordinates various research and policy functions. She has qualifications in social work, social policy, and disability studies, and her past work has included working with a number of academic and voluntary organizations. She has a particular interest in the topic of diversity within caring, along with inclusive and participatory research methods. You can find more about Liam and Zoe as well as Care Alliance Ireland on their organization's website at www.carealliance.ie. Be sure to also check out the Husita blog for any of the show notes at husita.org. We spent some time talking about Facebook and how they use various features of that platform to engage family caregivers and build an online community through things like Facebook groups. Liam and Zoe shared some tips for posting to social media by using things like visuals and quotes and other content that can really help drive more engagement. They explained that having a good team to help moderate the online Facebook group or community is a key driver to its success. They also acknowledged the risks and challenges with using a platform like Facebook, but recognized that the sheer volume of people on Facebook makes it an important place to begin with any social media strategy. They illustrated how Facebook's analytical tools can help demonstrate impact and also shared how tools provide specific metrics of engagement with the online group. Although not everyone's expected to participate, they found that some group members enjoyed reading and seeing posts that helped get them through some sort of challenging time as a family carer, even if they weren't fully engaged in posting to that Facebook group. This naturally led us to a discussion that sort of built on a theme from last month's episode around how online resources and support groups can be an important place for individuals in rural areas who might feel some sort of shame in seeking out help in real life. Finally, Liam and Zoe also mentioned how engaging online might not be for everybody, but that through the Facebook page, they're able to reach a group of people that they've never been able to reach before. And this is all part of the power and allure of social media for a lot of organizations. And when it's done well, can actually result in some amazing outcomes. So I hope you really enjoy this month's conversation. Now on to the podcast. Okay, well, thank you again for joining us for the Husita podcast. I'm really excited to have Liam O'Sullivan and Zoe Hughes from Care Alliance Ireland. 
as we talk about their article, Incorporating Facebook into Nonprofit Supports for Family Caregivers, Reflections on its Value and Relevance. So Liam and Zoe, thank you again so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, delighted to be with you, Jimmy. Yeah, looking forward to this. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good to, good to be here. Well, I thought we'd just start with a fairly easy question, uh, beginning with a basic overview of the study, the paper that you published in the journal, uh, talking maybe a little bit about your organization, maybe defining what a family carer is, and, because we have an international audience, and just you know what you want to share from this basic overview of this study. Okay, I'll well, kick off and then Zoe can... Um, can keep going. Um, we're, we're a double act, myself and Zoe. We've been in with Care Alliance for, gosh, a, a large number of years now. And it, we're, we work, it's a small not-for-profit based in the Republic of Ireland. Um, and our focus is very much on unpaid family caregivers. Um, and a, a strong focus has been on research policy and, and more recently, pushing the boundaries of, of where the kind of online, online space can, can be and how that can support um, family carers throughout Ireland. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to, you were saying about like defining a, a caregiver, a family carer, there's lots of, I mean, you know, you, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. And I think internationally, lots of different countries have different ways of looking at it too. In, in Ireland, it tends to be, we use a, a definition from the Irish census, which really asks whether or not you provide unpaid care and support to a friend, neighbor, family member in their own home. Um, and then it goes on to ask how many times, you know, how, how often do you do that and, and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where we take our, I guess, our basis of it. Um, and it really does for us, it goes across, uh, it goes across ages, it goes across genders, it goes across um, sectors. So we don't, in Care Alliance, we don't specifically think about, you know, caring for older people or just caring for children with a, a, an intellectual disability or whatever it might be. It's very much kind of across the, across the spectrum. We have 95, I believe, uh, is the latest number of member organizations from across uh, condition specific organizations in Ireland, uh, local kind of small groups that maybe have a kind of a peripheral interest in family cares issues like it's not their main business but they get that somebody coming into say a drop-in center or a local family resource center or health center might be caring for a family member in some way so those that's kind of the main the bulk of our of our membership um, and, and we're very kind of respectful of the term and the, the idea of identification as a carer mm. perhaps if you have a child with additional needs you're a parent primarily if if perhaps you're caring for aging parents with dementia you're you know a, an adult child who's doing the right thing so we are respectful particularly in the area of mental health it, the term support is more is considered perhaps more mm. more respectful so you know we don't get caught up with the term but we do think there's a value in people identifying as a caregiver and in doing that perhaps making it easier for them to access the supports that might be available um in their community either formal or, or informal. Yeah, there was a, a great paper I, I, I um, read ages ago. It was by a researcher called Molyneux. And it said, uh, you know, identification, care identification is the gateway through which supports are accessed. And I always really liked that term. I'm like, that kind of gives you like a little key kind of to unlock a gate where you can start to get those supports, hopefully, that you need. Um, it's unfortunate that it's behind that kind of 
you know, define yourself as a carer wall, but at, at least it's it's something that you can kind of start working on people. Yeah. And, and we've been doing some work around uh, prevalence data mm. at a European level and indeed at a global level. There's there's a paper that will come out quite shortly through IACO, the International Alliance of Care Organisations, um, that is trying to put a, a number on that. And um, we've worked closely with the National Alliance for Caregiving in the, in the US in that in that area of prevalence. In Ireland, the most recent data is suggesting that about one in eight adults have significant caregiving responsibilities. Oh, wow. For so, so mm. um, it's and and there's a there's a cohort particularly women in their 40s and 50s, where it's perhaps closer to one in five. So it's, it's mm-hmm. a big number of people that are that are online supports are seeking to reach and engage with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so interesting, just spending the time to kind of even define what a carer or caregiver is, because oftentimes folks and just the general public may think a family caregiver is taking care of an older adult, or uh, not too often do they think about some of those other individuals that may need some specialized type of care, or yeah. some individualized attention. So um, I think that's really important. And I don't know, I mean, maybe this is a little off script of what we're talking about today, but <laughs> we have to acknowledge COVID and all of this and mm. how much this is you know, impacting caregivers on a ton of different levels. Yeah, and, and look, hopefully we're nearly out of it, but it's we're still struggling. We're still at even today. I was at a you know a seminar and hearing about the the slow return of the kind of day the traditional day center services for older people. Um, there's concerns about accessing respite care, not just maybe because of provision, but also the fear. Mm-hmm. The, the fear factor, mm-hmm. and, and it's been a really tough year for family caregivers. In March 2020, in the US and and in in Ireland and beyond, services overnight just stopped. Yeah. Um. Ed special education um, home care was restricted, mm. though to be fair, they tried to sustain most of that, which was crucial. Visits to, you know, elder care or nursing home facilities were, were, were restricted massively, which raised all sorts of human rights questions from a social work perspective. And, and both myself and Zoe are, 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 are trained social workers. Um, and, and, and that's really the, the, the genesis to the degree of where we've brought the online work um, from our paper that we wrote. And we can mm. speak a bit about that later. Um, but we, I guess Zoe and I, be true to say we're always um, interested in the online space. Zoe has moderated on online groups for over 10 years now. I was a little bit more naive. Um, but yeah, the paper was, was, I suppose, came out of a, 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 I suppose, a vision I had that social work as a profession needed to embrace technology a mm. lot more robustly than it has thus far. Notwithstanding the limitations yeah. and challenges, but that I do see I have a role to, to play in pushing the agenda there somewhat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, Liam always says that really nicely that I've moderated, you know, boards for 10 years. It's, it's also known as being a giant nerd um, and having those kind of niche interests that tended to coagulate around uh, online message boards back in the, you know, early 2000s and late 90s, you know, when it was all sort of in bedrooms across the country, you know, but um that sounded a bit strange, but you know what or I mean. Across the world, I guess. Across the road. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. International audience and all that. Um, but it was definitely something that that kind of both of us do have an interest in. And actually, we we redid our um when we when it came to looking at our organization strategic plan so two years ago, 2019, Liam, I think it was. Yes. Um, we actually kind of actually put in a specifically around, you know, m- you know, encouraging online 
supports for family caregivers and trying to, you know, encourage our member organizations and just across the, the sector um, to kind of really look at online supports for family carers in a more in-depth way, in a more innovative way. Um, and that kind of, you know, I think we both thought that might be, and all of us, the board included, I think thought that might be a five or six year goal. And then whatever, six months later, after the publication of our of our strategy, COVID hit and everyone just went, oh, online then, <laughs> you know, yeah. so which was which was really interesting. Um, and I think useful in some ways, but difficult for some organizations. You know, we were lucky in that we were quite a small organization. So when Liam had the idea um, of setting up, we had the the National Cares Week Facebook page, which is what's mentioned and what we'll be discussing in the paper. But then we kind of decided, well, maybe we need a group. Maybe we need something a little bit more kind of somewhere for family cares to go that's kind of not trying to be the same as a face-to-face group or a drop-in center that they might have gone to you know um before people were locked locked down and, and weren't able to, to move around um and that's kind of when we set up the the facebook group um that we've been running now for what a year and a half so wow yeah, yeah. it sounds like it maybe was a bit fortuitous that y'all had been looking into technology as a means for providing this quasi intervention kind of social work uh, that, you know, that COVID really just expedited that whole process. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, thinking about that and even let's, let's dive into some of this with the paper and and asking about how Facebook is being used as a sort of intervention or or how y'all are using Facebook in the context of the paper. But even if there's been some updates, I'd be interested Mm -hmm. to hear as well. Cause you know, you published the paper in what was that 2019? Mm. Just about two years ago, yeah, and I took the time to reread it, so I was familiarised <laughs> with what, what we said. It's always helpful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was 2012, we, we, 2013, we'd been involved in kind of advocacy awareness raising campaigns, most specifically what we call National Carers Week. And through that, we, we, we got some funds and we said, you know, let's, let's try it, this Facebook thing. Um, and I hadn't been involved, tried it personally, but we, we set it up, we, we, we recruited through paid ads, to be fr- frank, you know, it, 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 through that generally. And we recruited, I think, was it 15, 18,000 family carers from across Ireland and engaged them in competitions in signposting in um acknowledging just what they've done i know i think it was in the first two christmases i know zoe has a great eye for photography and she put up photos with some in- inspirational posts on them and just put them up and sometimes they went almost viral mm-hmm. literally tens of thousands of, of 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 people would see see the post and then sometimes they didn't and, and that's still an art or a science or something in between mm-hmm. definitely the use of visual images seems to generate more interest mm-hmm. um and and it's it's kept going and it's 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 now I think at about twenty five thousand followers. Mm. Um and we keep we, we but we I thought let's you know putting the paper together, let's look at what the time we've invested, some of the resourcing, um, the types of posts, what posts engage, what don't. And is it I think I, I talk about it being is it a quasi social work intervention? And that's probably that's probably worthy of a conference in itself. Mm-hmm. Is you know, can social work and, and social media work together in an effective therapeutic alliance the whole you know the whole um values that that social work aspires to can you do that through social media or you know are we colluding with the big evil empire of social media giants and 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 just um fooling ourselves Mm -hmm. Mm. i think the former but i think it'd be a healthy discussion to have yeah and i think i think we obviously you know when we were thinking about 
um, the Facebook page for National Cares Week was was set up before I joined the team. So, um, you know, Liam can can really speak to that experience. But I think there is always that kind of like you know, there are there are privacy concerns around Facebook. There are privacy concerns around around social media, and it'd be it'd be crazy not to acknowledge them and not to think about them in some way. But I think we just kind of there goes come a point where you have to, in some ways, balance the risks and and the benefits. And certainly, when it came to when it came to COVID and when it came to kind of trying to fill a gap that that was there, particularly around in the early days, information and and you know knowing what was happening, and even just in general for family carers, knowing what's going on and knowing what's happening and where do you go for the right information, we thought it was really important to have somewhere and to go where carers already were. You know, like there's there's quite a lot of. Um, there's a, a lot of people, particularly in, in the kind of typical care age groups who are on Facebook in Ireland. It's it's a very popular platform in Ireland um, for connecting. And so it's like, well, just go where they are, you know, and, and you know, don't don't kind of ignore the fact that, that you know, Facebook has its has its own risks. We weren't sort of making people, um, you know, I hope people didn't feel like they were they had to go onto Facebook to get supports. Um, that was just and it was also, you know, to be quite honest with you, it was also free. You know, you, you do have to kind of, you know, think about that way. If we want, we did think about possibly setting up uh, maybe a, a kind of a private board or, you know, something behind a, 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 a you know, login walls and all that kind of stuff that's independent. But I mean, it's 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 a huge undertaking to do that, you know, whereas we were able to set up and get going with the Facebook page and the Facebook group it takes a couple of minutes, you know, once you've made that decision. So it's And I remember that ways, week when things when it was Patrick's Day, wasn't it? Twenty twenty last year, when we sixteenth of March we opened the group and it you know, every day um we were getting hundreds of applicants to join the group. Mm. So we clearly were meeting a need. Um and continue to, we hope, through a number of, 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 of you know, um, social work kind of interventions. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that y'all recognize that there is a balancing act when it comes to social media and social work. I mean, that's, I've said it in multiple podcasts now, is what we care about at HUSEED is the ethical and appropriate use of technology mm. in human services. And we really do mean that because we've seen, and I have no doubt we will continue to see some issues, some challenges related to ethics and other things when it comes to technology and social work. Mm. However, uh, I, and I've said this as well, other places and other podcasts, that it's something that we cannot ignore. Mm. That, you know, whether it's Facebook or the next platform or uh, some other types of technology that we will be leveraging in the future, those things are coming and uh, we need to be at the table having conversations about their use, how to shape those tools, um, whether they are appropriate or we should push back against them. Those are conversations that need to, mm. they are happening, but they need to continue to happen. So, What 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 was really interesting actually for us as well, we did a little bit of um, of a little kind of a survey, I suppose, of the members of the Facebook group, the, the kind of the, the one that we set up in, in 2020. And uh, I think it was 94%, if I remember correctly, of people that we kind of that that answered our survey had never actually accessed a face-to-face support group for a family as, as a family carer before. So these, it's not even that this was necessarily 
taking over, if you know what I mean, from from that. It was actually filling a gap because for whatever reason, they weren't comfortable going to a face-to-face group, whether that is because they're physically not near one. You know, we've got quite a lot of, you know, there's a lot of rural areas in Ireland that just that aren't close to towns. And if you've got a, if you've got responsibilities for family care, you can't just go, okay, well, it's three o'clock. So I'm just going to go into my coffee morning, you know? So as, as valuable and fantastic as those, as those things are, they're great for certain people, but there's also certain, you know, there's family carers who are just really shy and don't want to, you know, don't want to access those supports in that way. They've got social anxiety. They have their own disabilities. They have their own, you know, issues that, that, you know, and we've even gotten feedback kind of privately from a number of members of the group who've sort of said, look, you know, I don't comment. I don't, I don't necessarily engage a huge amount, but just being part of the group and being able to read it and see it and and see that it's there has been a massive boost for me, you know? So even just that kind of like lurking, you know, there's the temptation and I have to admit, I'm very much a kind of, I'm the touchy feely one. And uh, Liam is more the numbers kind of, you know, statistics guy in in this kind of, you know, uh, research uh, double act, I guess. And um, so there's a tendency, I think sometimes to rely a little bit too much on the the metrics, you know, but I think even just having those kind that kind of feedback just because 10,000 people didn't like your post doesn't mean 10,000 people didn't get something from it. You know, so I think those is, that's really important to, to think about as well. And, and in terms of the original Facebook page that we did set up, again, we did some, some surveys and based on the, of those who responded, um, I think upwards of 80% were current or former family caregivers. So it wasn't just, as we would call randomers, who just clicked, joined the group or, or, or liked the page. They actually had a connection and interest and empathy and experience with caregiving. And, and that means the discussions, the, you know, that means we're reaching the people we want to reach. Mm. And, and if social work as a profession is serious about engaging the hard to reach people, um, then let, let, we we need to use te- let's use technology well to do that, mm-hmm. and let's not hide behind the um, privacy concerns mm-hmm. or the I can't give them a mm-hmm. hug or I can't read their their body language. You know what? I think sometimes you can do a bit of reading people's body language with 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 video technology. You know, I know in the US and in Ireland, there's a big commitment from the federal or the national governments to to roll out broadband high high speed so that you know, 95, 98% of the population will have really good access to, to internet. So let's, let's reach those hard to reach communities. Absolutely. You know, the last podcast, um, last month or two months ago, I always forget what month we're in, but, uh, I interviewed Dr. McEnroy from, uh, the Ohio state university school of social Mm. work and talked about one of her papers where she, uh, did some research with LGBTQ youth and, Mm. I'm forgetting the name of the paper now, but uh, one of the things that we talked about was specifically how a lot of these youth in those rural communities don't have access to drop-in centers or other types of resources that that population specifically needs. And so they're able to get some of that online where they wouldn't normally in their, in their hometown. And so, absolutely. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree that we need to leverage technology and these tools in ways that will benefit social work. I think, uh, oh, no, no, I I was just going to say, I think particularly where there is some level of possible stigma as well in a, in a, in a particular group, I think online can be great because you can have it on your own personal phone like that with LGBTQ youth. Hopefully, you know, there's some level of privacy, whereas if you're asking your, your mom to drive you into the nearest town for what, like, you know, you have to make all these explanations and, and there is still, 
you know, a certain level of stigma around family caring in certain situations, you know, so like I, I wrote a paper on that particular issue. It's on our website, you know, so it's, you know, even being able to do that and give people a, an avenue where they don't actually necessarily have to say that they're going to a family care support group, you know, and like, well, who are you caring for? How, you know, I didn't know somebody was sick and, you know, it turns out, you know, like your, your husband has early onset dementia, but he doesn't necessarily want everybody in the town to know about that, particularly in rural areas and in rural Ireland, everybody talks, you know, everybody knows each other. So there's, there's those things as well. I think there's that other dimension to it, which I think is really important to remember. Absolutely. So it's another way of thinking about the whole privacy concerns and everything. So, Mm. yeah. Well, I'm interested if we can dive in a little bit to the practices of how you use Facebook as an organization to Mm. engage folks, to, um, you mentioned setting up a Facebook group, but what are the the practices and some of the ways that y'all have used Facebook to engage caregivers? So, yeah, I mean, what we've what we I know did last year and then previous that we we saw what worked what what we thought was being done ethically I used that term in the in previous Jimmy like w- what's been done correctly in terms of screening and the vulnerabilities in terms of um, rules of engagement as it were so yeah we don't sign people don't sign a contract but they do sign up to the rules of the page and the three questions in in the in the online group that we have at the moment is are you providing unpaid care to a to a member are you living in the republic of ireland because there are regulatory issues that change if you're in the uk or the us and the third one is will you respect the rules of the group particularly in the area of of privacy um but yeah the whole question is is a private messaging and intervention and when does it become a therapeutic alliance and when when does it go past that our capacity to do that that they need to be signposted to a more formal ser- social work pr- service there are some of the dilemmas we face the approving posts you know are we censoring and how do, do people self censor if people are oversharing when do we step in? Do we ask them to remove or edit a post? There's some of the dilemmas. And what we've done in, in terms of the practice piece, it, it's very much almost like a team um, in a traditional social work, maybe where I model, you might have conversations with your colleagues over the coffee, you know, the, the water cooler, as I say, or sharing the office with them. Here, we have a private separate mods and vols group that actually have those dilemmas. So if there's a, an issue going on on the group that we're not sure about or do we approve post, we will put that out to the 15 or so volunteers, about half of whom are social workers, the other half have family caring experience, and we'll tease it out. So the idea is then we make a better quality, better informed decision about approving a post, about you know, um, rejecting a post about maybe asking someone to edit a post. Yeah, so we have we have Facebook page, uh, and I can appreciate this could be a little bit confusing. So we have the Facebook page, which is National Carers Week, um, and that's kind of we use that really to sort of almost give out information, if you know what I mean, and sort of say, you know, here's this event, and while it's ramps up because the because National Carers Week in Ireland is the second week in June usually, um, and it tends to ramp up from April into May talking about the events that are happening, talking about what's going on, um, talking about, you know, caring in more in general. Um, and then afterwards, it tends to kind of go down a little bit. We often share things like uh, requests for research from other organizations. Um, if other organizations are having an event, um, so National Carers Week is kind of a collaborative venture between ourselves and eight or nine other partners um, each year. And so if, say, for example, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland is, is a member, is a is a partner in the week, if the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland are having something really interesting for family carers, you know, we'll share it on that page and it'll go out to 25,000 
of, of family carers who might not be clued into that group or to that that organization, but might get something from it. And then the Facebook group, like Liam said, is a little bit more conversational. It's a little bit more, it's private. You can't get into it, if you know what I mean, unless we know that you're a family carer and you say yes to those things. All of the posts in the group are, are pre-moderated. And what that means is that somebody will write a post and it'll go into a queue. And one of the people who have moderator or administrator kind of capacity will have to review that, read it and go, yeah, that makes sense. That's a, a relevant topic or I'm not too sure about this. This is completely relevant. It's spam. It's advertising, whatever it might be. Or occasionally there's ones where you kind of go, I'm actually quite worried about that person. I actually think there's something deeper here. I don't think we're going to approve that into the main group, but we might then, for example, contact them privately by private message and go, look, you know, are you doing okay? We didn't approve this because, you know, you sound like you're in distress. Maybe, you know, you might regret putting that up at, at a later stage. Is there anything else we can do? Is there somewhere we can signpost you? Can we help you find someone in your local area in a resource center or a local group that would work better? Um, so, and like Liam said, we have a kind of 15 moderators and volunteers. Um, um, like how yeah. many you helping the yeah. I mean that, that really came out of the fact that it was myself and Liam for the first couple of weeks and it was just you know it's it just at the very start of COVID we it was were trying to keep every evening it was, remember it was it was it was, it was, it was, it was, it was but you know what? That we was drew crazy. on the relationships we had with other organizations. Mm. We put out a call, and I have to say, from you know, from students, you know, postgraduate students in the University of Limerick, from social work practitioners, from mental health practitioners, from researchers, and yeah. then from um, they 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 came on board and, and have been great. And then, as a kind of participatory, more I suppose, better practice. We observed, and this is actually quite interesting, the whole peer support thing, and we observed a certain number of participants in the group who were caregiving themselves. They had such insight and such wonderful comments and support mm. for people. I was just, wow, these guys are naturals. They're so much better than me um, at how they respond to people's concerns or fears or anxieties. So we invited a handful of them to come on board as moderators Um um, and, and actually, since then, one has become on to be a paid staff member to to, wow. to kind of manage the project. So it's, you know, Tara, she's doing amazing work. Mm. Um, so we, we do try and espouse that value of respecting the expertise of caregivers and that, that the comments from other caregivers are probably better received largely and just feel they sit better, I think. Now, yeah, occasionally, I think the, the social work practitioners step in and here's a link or, you know, we use our social our, our social work lingo even perhaps too much. Mm. But look, I, I think we're, we're a good team and we're respectful of this, the, the kind of skills each brings to us. Sorry, Zoe. No, I, I was just going to say that, you know, like I can kind of certainly put my, you know, my, my policy and research hat on and sort of go, yep, I can tell you all the practical information about this, this or that or whatever it might be. But for somebody who just needs to vent to somebody who understands what it's like to have a parent with Alzheimer's who, you know, has been up all night and they've had no sleep, me going, oh, I'm so sorry about that. That's not that's you know that's I mean it's sincere for me because I actually am but it doesn't it's not the same as someone going yeah that was my night two nights ago I totally understand here you know let's you know it's it's a different it's a different thing I think um and I think the evidence around the the peer support in terms of Neil Coulson and others who've written about the benefit of online groups more for people with health conditions does support the idea of around the peer support um, so we genuinely believe, yes, we facilitate, we provide the infrastructure. There's a bit of money there to put in to have particular interest groups around gardening or, you know, crocheting or book clubs. We have all these kind of activities. 
but in a way they're just the medium through which other mm. caregivers get to talk to each other get to listen get to have a bit of a crack mm. have a bit of fun um i shouldn't use that word in the u.s audience <laughs> we have this word called crack c-r-a-i-c it's not a drug it's a it's a it's a, it's a term for just having some fun we might have to put that in the show notes that it, yeah know, that i, I possibly do yeah yeah <laughs> I got in trouble at a at a, at New York airport once when I said that very loudly when I was about seventeen <laughs> in front of two very large and quite intimidating policemen. Um, so I yeah, that's a story for another time. But yeah, put that in the show notes. I think that might be good. <laughs> oh, that's that's too funny. Well, you know, part of what I'm hearing though with uh, how your organization and y'all use Facebook as a quasi intervention is multifaceted as far as you know having the group function so that there is a bit of information seeking that and peer support that can take place in that space but then also the the content moderation uh, the collegiality that can build and the community that can build out of all of that um, the the uh, the uh, content curation if I want to use a museum social media kind of term uh, where you're curating resources and other things from other organizations and sharing that as well. Uh, these are some really good hallmarks of how organizations should be using social media. And for me, part of what I'm hearing, like this almost subtext of our conversation, and maybe it's just my bias about how I think social media really can drive and deepen connection and offer a space to show empathy, especially for folks like caregivers. Because, as you mentioned, they come to a, a community and maybe just need to vent. And there is something to be said, and this goes both ways, that this medium of technology, of whether it's Facebook, social media, or video conferencing or whatever, uh, it does you know, offer some anonymity and it mediates our relationship in a way that can ultimately be a bad thing, but can also be a wonderful thing where deep connections can be made and deep uh, connections can be had. I think if we didn't believe there is value, we wouldn't be doing this, you know, and I'm, I'm not naturally a Facebook follower or, uh, you know, I, I really am, but I can see what this has done and brought to so many people and they give us that feedback. They, you know, they, they really do. And it's, it's a pleasure to, to be involved in, in it. And, and that my, my board of directors who are all volunteers have supported us on this journey to, to delivering some really meaningful kind of online online interventions. And I, I do think they are interventions and we can stand behind that from a social work practitioner. And we put in the safeguards, we have protocols, you know, and if something requires a more one-to-one support that we as an organization can't provide, we know how we can get that person to that to that that support they may benefit from at a local level or some some within some other organization um and we were big believers in collaboration this project wouldn't happen without the the massive collaboration that we've been able to kind of i suppose um deliver on yeah it sounds really amazing and so i would just again encourage folks that are listening to go check out your website international care alliance and if they want to look at this paper in the journal of technology and human services as well so i appreciated how in the paper you described that you found some some success when posting to facebook and including uh, in the post some specific quotes or some images and other things to drive some higher levels of engagement because this is something that i've seen in the literature and i've, I've written about some my, myself that's a fairly standard good practice to do. Whether you're tweeting, include some hashtags or a link or 
a gif or a gif depends on what side of the argument you're there um but was there anything that you found that received maybe more engagement or what was the most beneficial to actually share content wise uh on facebook from the organization that's a, that's a really interesting question um i think it depends on the platform i know if you post something controversial on twitter and maybe slightly libelous, you may get loads of traction. But that's not necessarily a good outcome. So I'm cautious about using that as a metric for positive outcome. Um, I think most of the people, the family carers, we might occasionally post kind of research and policy stuff there. And they just, for most of them, it's like, we're not interested in that. Um, sometimes the images, as I said, that's so it's put on particularly around the holiday periods or something are really, really, they generate massive of interest. So I don't know that there's an absolute. Zoe, what would be your thoughts? Or? Yeah. So I know like when Liam references those images, so we actually, as part of it, kind of in some ways, another thing that we did, I, I, again, I wrote a paper a couple of years back and I termed it the, the wisdom of family carers. And really what it was, was we just asked family carers, you know, questions on in a survey sort of saying, look, if you had anything that you wanted to say to a new family carer, what would it be? You know, and they had kind of had carte blanche to say whatever they liked. And, and we were very clear that we were using it for this purpose, you know, so for a research paper and, and maybe to kind of, you know, to share with others. Um, and we, I went through and I, I picked out a number that I thought that certainly spoke to me um, and I thought would have a resonance, resonance with, you know, others. And then really what I wanted to do is I went through my own, like Liam said, I kind of, I like photography and I like, you know, um, it's, a, it's a hobby of mine. And um, in order to make sure that I had uh, the legal ability to actually post images, at least I knew that if I had taken them, they, I owned them. So we weren't going to get, you know, like, because if you, the, the temptation is to just sort of search on Google and to find an image. And if you do that, then now it's really unlikely, to be honest with you, if you're in the not-for-profit space and you're doing this as a way to to sort of, you know, to drive um, people um then, you know, it's it's unlikely you're not making money out of it. So it's not likely somebody's going to come after you for the rights or whatever it might be. But at the same time, you just, you know, you don't you want to be respectful of other people's work as well. Um, so, you know, a, another good place to find images that are royalty free is actually unsplash.com. Um, if people don't know it, it's, it's a really fantastic um, image repository where people put up images um, for free and people can use them for whatever purpose, you know, so and they're really high quality. And so, you know, you kind of it takes a, a bit of doing to try and match maybe a kind of an inspiring quote and you find an inspiring picture. It can be a little bit twee, you know, it can be a little bit sort of cheesy sometimes. Um, but more often than not, people do resonate with it, you know, and they kind of say, and what what I like is when I see something like that and people go, yeah, that, that really strikes a chord with me. Isn't that's exactly how I feel. And that just means that, you know that person has actually seen something and it's validated maybe something in themselves we did have one one example and it was quite interesting is um we often reuse the same quotes the same images again and again just at different times and we put up a we put up one post um and it said i think the quote was something along the lines of you know i think you know family caring or being a caregiver is is what's keeping um, the world from becoming a me first society or something along those lines, sort of talking about how, you know, it's quite a selfless act and, and, you know, and the first time we posted it, that, that was really positive. Everybody thought that was fantastic. And we reposted it a couple of months later and it, 
a couple of people saw it really negatively. Um, they sort of said, you know, and I think one or two people had maybe had the experience really recently and it was still quite raw of needing to access maybe full-time care for the person they cared for. And in their head, they, you know, in their mind, they read that. Um, and fair enough, you know, that's their, that's their interpretation of it was saying, you know, if you're not doing this, you're a me first person, you know, so we have to be very conscious that that what was fine six months ago, you know, somebody might read it tomorrow and, and really get upset. And, and we have to deal with that, you know, and we have to hold our hands up and say, look, that's, that's, that's not what the intention was, but we're really sorry that you, you feel like that. Um, and, you know, we've, we've noted that and, and maybe we'll change the next time, you know, we will, we'll, we'll keep that into consideration. So, um, yeah, I, I just had a look there, Zoe. I, sorry for cutting across you there. Oh. At the, the private group we have and, you know, Facebook, for all the criticisms, it does do kind of analytics pretty transparently. Now, yeah, maybe it's gamed and you don't want to pay too much attention because at the end of the day, they're in the business of, of making money. But if I look at the posts in the last 28 days without breaching confidences, the, the ones that got the most engagement, um, and we're talking, say we have two and a half thousand people, we could have 500 comments from one post. So you're talking 20% of people are taken, um, are bothering to like, love, put the little care emoji that's there or comment. Like, so we're talking really high intense engagement. It's for people who's, who's the person they've cared for has passed. Mm. Um, the other one, you know, which is lovely that people are empathizing with someone's loss. You know, it's, 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 it's lovely. The other one, if I'm being honest, is we do occasional competitions and it could be for a care package that we would post to them. And particularly through COVID, it was something we were able to do. We would send small hampers of chocolates and small gifts to a caregiver. And the feedback was just, it. we just kept doing it because we were getting such positive feedback. And to be <laughs> fair, our postal system reduced their prices during COVID. So, it, it, you know, and we got some phil- philanthropic funding to do it. So it was really nice to be able to do that. But it is some of those kind of competitions that generate the most engagement. Yeah. Is that really impactful, you, you, you know, at a social work level? Probably not. Um so it's, you know, the PMs, the fact that you're responding to people privately, I think. And I know I would occasionally, if I see someone posting, you know, mm. I would take the opportunity to, to PM them and just say, look, it sounds like you're having a really tough time. Just to let you know we're thinking of you. And and, and that's that's an intervention. And, and it's hopefully well received. I think it generally is. And I know a, mm. lot, of, a lot of our volunteers would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get benefit at the individual one-to-one stuff, but they also get it from the wider peer group. Um, another thing we do in terms of the privacy piece is we allow, we post, people can request to post anonymously, so we will post on their behalf. And I think that does address a lot of the kind of what we call uh, in Europe GDPR or data protection concerns. Yeah. Um, so if they're, they don't want, you know, people to know that they're talking about maybe continence care or mental health where often there's stigma with those issues mm. that are they just private and very much respectful of their mother with dementia and and, and that they would they would ask us to post on their behalf and, and and that's there's some nuances that make it a little bit more challenging to get the context but generally that that that's quite a popular way of 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 um of seeking support mm. yeah i really like that and i mean it even leads into this next question i was going to ask both of you is that I like in the article, you specifically draw attention to some ideas that nonprofit organizations can use to help both engage followers, to acquire a new follower, if we wanted to use that term, but also to retain them so that they continue to stay engaged with your page or with your group. I was just wondering if you could explain a little bit more 
uh, about that and why organizations might be interested in understanding that better? Sure. Look, I'm always conscious that the kind of, you know, this this pejorative term of failure to engage or did not attend is sometimes used maybe more in the medical profession of, you know, you're, you're, you're in a, a behavioral unit and, and you're working with families and they don't turn up and they're judged as. Um, but the reality is it, it happens, but also it, it can be difficult from a from an efficiency perspective. It's hard because you're investing time in mm-hmm. um, and then people drop out. And, and there is, you know, I know the evidence around group work is there's there's a, there's upwards of 50 percent um again dropout is the wrong word but it, about 50 oh, sometimes less than 50 percent of people stay involved they come back again they and if they're not coming back chances are they're not getting a whole lot out of it i guess that's a reasonable assumption sure. um yeah i i don't know why how we're managing such a higher rates of engagement we're talking nine you know a retention over say a 12 month period and again facebook facilitates that we can do a sample and of that sample of 200 192 are still on the group a year later again there's no privacy issue we're not but we have a pretty good sense that people are staying with us um i guess they must be getting something beneficial out of it now arguably well they may just stay members, but don't stay involved, don't sure. stay active. But as Zoe would say, we, we, we don't just have people lurking. We have people commenting, private messaging us or the other moderators saying, just want to let you know, this being a lifesaver through COVID, I don't really comment or I don't comment at all, but thanks a million. Um, and mm-hmm. that's gold us. And, you know, for fun, from funders, for my board of directors, for, for new staff or for volunteers to get that feedback. Wow, yeah. that's just massive absolutely no, when you no, no paycheck will will beat that yeah, yeah when you can't quantify your numbers if you have a really good solid quote from a member of your community like that that's amazing mm. um i also think as well i think you know we we did spend quite a bit particularly in the in the facebook group we spent quite a lot of time thinking about our kind of rules rules of the group if you know what I mean and kind of how we wanted the group to function and and how we wanted people to be able to to be in it you know we actually spoke to to other you know um other people who are running similar groups you know that we could kind of or you know related kind of groups or you know to kind of see what they were doing and and there's no harm sometimes I think in in, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. If there's a group that's similar to what you're doing, that you like how their rules are or how they their moderate. Culture. Yeah. yeah, their culture, then ask them, you know, how are you doing that? And I mean, I, like I, you know, I said earlier that I've been involved in, in moderating online groups for 10 years or more. And I honestly have, I've actually never been in a group that's as, as nice as this group. And I know that sounds really I don't know, that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's genuinely like usually, you know, you'd have to log in and you go, you know, you're going to have 10 or 15 reported posts and you think, oh, no, but this group is just not like that. And I don't know whether that's because it's carers. I don't know whether it's because, you know, we were very clear at the start what the purpose of the group was and, and how we were going to run it um, and, and the, you know, respect and, and for each other and everybody was was key to it. And I think, but it's kind of just kept, kept on that way, which I think has been really great, you know, and we've not only are we managing as well the group is managing to keep its members but we've retained so many of the volunteers as well that came on board in you know March 2020 when people you know people were 
there was nothing for people to do in some ways, if you know what I mean. And I don't mean that to be crass, but, you know, a lot of organizations were kind of shutting their services down or had shut them down. So there was people who were kind of going, I want to help. This is what I do normally. But my normal outlets of, of work and visits and stuff like that aren't happening at the moment. But they've stayed a year and a half later. You know what I mean? When everybody's back to work and, and those kind of organizations are really back up and running. So I think that as well points to having a really good kind of just a nice working relationship with the people that you work with as well and volunteer with you know like I've made some friends genuinely friends from the moderators and the other family carers and, and professionals that are in that group and even some of the members of the group do you know that sort of a way like it's it's just nice what I've tried to do Jamie I suppose is as my through leading the organization is instill a, a culture of valuing our volunteers mm-hmm. um by respect you know and not and treating them um just with gratitude and, and sending them occasional gifts reaching out to them if it seems that they're struggling in their own lives occasionally you know particularly if they've care significant caregiving mm-hmm. responsibilities um and i think hopefully that helps because I, you know, volunteering is such a wonderful part of communities and societies. Um, but I'm not so sure that organizations always are, are, you know, treat their volunteers as well as they could. Mm. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. And I would echo that sentiment that gratitude can go a really, really long way, especially in an online space where you're not always able to give them a pat on the back physically mm. or. Um, you know, give them some other kind of a bonus or a physical, tangible kind of uh, piece of thank you. But just, you know, doing some other things online and, and cultivating that over time. You know, I'm a big uh, person that believes in authenticity and transparency. And that really shows how genuine the organization is if they are continually thanking and acknowledging the volunteers and the folks in their community. So I really think that goes a long way. The good news is we're actually meeting up with our 15, yes. r- roughly 15 volunteers um, next month. Thankfully, as the COVID restrictions have, have lifted, we're, we're now in a position to provide some specific training because I, I, I don't know, I don't I know we haven't t- t- touched on that, but it is important that we train our volunteers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that can be online, that can be face-to-face, it can be a mix. So in this case, we're going to meet up next month. We have a wonderfully experienced um, online um, practitioner from the UK who's going to do some input around protecting around vicarious trauma and all those other challenges that that online moderation can pose potentially because sometimes you're dealing with very sad stories of of people's lives that are that are you know that are emotionally particularly maybe people who haven't got the social work training to give them that Mm. protection yeah and and making sure the volunteers don't aren't realize that they don't need to do everything or fix everything or or do it alone yeah and I think as well, like, you know, you have to remember that there's a, a chunk of our volunteers who have, you know, they're volunteering their own time on top of being a family carer themselves. And so, you know, and obviously we don't necessarily ask what their 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 caring responsibilities are. And so, you know, we may be speaking about something or they might see something in the group that's actually really triggering for them of, of something that happened in the past in part of their caring, you know, and we need to be kind of be cognizant of that as well. And, and hopefully that you know, by kind of fostering a kind of a level of of kind of respect, mutual respect, that if they're having a problem with something, if they say, I can't, I can't possibly deal with that post, that's, I'm just going to have to bow out of it entirely. You go, that's cool. I'll, I'll step in. I'll, I'll do that. That's no problem. Um, you know, so I, I would hope that that's, that that's there too. Um, 
And we have a rota, we have a weekend on yeah. call system, we have a buddying kind of system where there's always two people available. So you're very much not alone because potentially online it's potentially 24 hour. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. to be, but we would have people commenting and posting at, at 11, 12, 1 at night. We don't expect our volunteers to be always there, you know, because it's not a crisis service, but um, they're, they're you know, we we cover all bases throughout the the, the days and weeks, which is which mm. is great, and it means then that for our staff, from ourselves, we don't get burnt out. That we know that we yeah. can take a break from the from the service, and and it will it will go on without us, which is which is super, and that's I suppose the legacy that we would hope mm. it, it will be into the future. Well, it all sounds fantastic. Impact that y'all are having within the caregiver community w- by using Facebook. So I, I guess I'm wondering if you were to distill this down to like the biggest takeaway, the biggest benefit of using Facebook, uh, what might that be? I would say go for it. You know, yeah. yeah, you might make a few mistakes, but, you know, do a bit of prep, but go for it. You, you know, you're quite unlikely to do harm if you've given it some thought, if you have a team mm. of people around you who, who, who have common sense, who have maybe psychology, social work, counseling, training, you know, that's going to, that's going to going to be a good thing i think that the main takeaway for me is reach and 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 i'm and i don't just mean facebook's metric of reach but actually the fact that we are engaging with you know two and a half thousand people on a regular basis yes it's not the same they're all not they're, we're not providing them one-to-one counseling but we are signposting some of them to the to that service mm-hmm. um and another cohort are, are benefiting from their engagement in the in the book club another 100 200 involved in the in the gardening club so collectively i would like to think we're making a significant difference to to a fair chunk of family carers across ireland and mm-hmm. not just in cities not just where there's a, a local service but actually in the in the in the most remote parts of, of our country which is mm-hmm. which is you know which which is something we're, we're proud of yeah yeah I would agree. Yeah, I think that's really that's really it. And just kind of, you know, there's there's so many people who have been excluded from traditional services that, you know, we know that that online is not going to be for everybody. It can't be, you know, just like face to face can't be for everybody. You know, and I think it's very easy if you're an extrovert or if you're somebody like that who enjoys going to one to one coffee mornings to go, why wouldn't you want to drop in for a cup of coffee? And I have you know, I know people who just there's nothing worse, whereas at least, you know, the benefit for for that is just at least think about how you're going to be reaching a whole group of people that you would never have reached before just because they wouldn't have been comfortable. Um, so I think, yeah, I think try not to think about maybe who you might be excluding, like older people or people who maybe aren't that tech savvy, but those who you're including who would never have access to support before. Yeah, that's a really great perspective to think about that. All right. Well, it's been a bit of time now that we've been chatting about this uh, paper and, and your use of Facebook with your organization. Final question. Uh, and you can kind of take this whichever way you want to take it. It's a very big, broad question. Just some simple advice that you would give to other organizations that are thinking about using Facebook or any social media and they're just kind of getting started or maybe they're struggling with their use of social media. Ask for help. I think I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of individuals who are interested in this. You know, I know 
us, we in Care Alliance, we're very interested to talk to people, you know, and, and if, if you're, if you're, you know, that's what we did, if you know what I mean, when we were starting this up, we kind of picked other people's brains and you can try and pass on that information if you can. And don't be scared, I think, don't be scared of it. You know, you're not going to blow up a computer, you're not going to, you know, you're, it's, it's really unlikely that you're going to do something absolutely drastic that's going to really have a horrible, horrible impact. It's, it's quite unlikely. So just try and remember that. It's not going to say, never say never, but, you know, just try and, and don't be scared because it can be quite intimidating to open yourself up to this giant world that you think is like, oh my God, everybody's going to be asking me questions. Everybody's going to be talking to me, but, you know, you'll, people will find you that need you, I think. Um, and, and don't worry about, don't worry about the rest of it. And I would say we're happy to have conversations with people. So feel free to reach out us, to us. Mm. Um, carealliance.ie, that's C-A-R-E, alliance.ie um, is our website. You'll find our contact details there, both mine and Zoe. And happy to um, spend some time to support other human service practitioners to to push the boundaries and, and envisage a world where we can do more good using um, technology effectively. Mm. Well, fantastic. I just want to thank you both again, Zoe Hughes and Liam O'Sullivan. Thank you so much for being on the Husita podcast today and sharing these wonderful insights with all of us. No problem. Thank you, thank Jimmy. You. The Husita podcast is a production of the Human Services Information Technology Association. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast, please connect with us on our website at www.husita.org, on Twitter at Husita.org, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash org. Be sure to rate the podcast and share it with your networks to help us create a world where information technology is used to promote the social good and human well-being. My name is Jimmy Young. You can also connect with me on Twitter at JimmySW. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm.